0: independent wrestling is pretty
1: damn fucking cool we're sitting down in the spotlight and squirt circle with rhino and we're trying to bring more awareness to the independent
0: professional wrestling scene undoubtedly thankful for anybody that just decided to tune in and actually liked us enough to keep listening
1: all right i think i'm ready to start this sucker let's light this candle
2: day and eight to read any good news on the newspaper page, and love and tradition of the grand design, some people say it's even harder to find,
1: well then there must be some magic clue inside this gentle Good evening everybody, or morning, who knows when you're listening, it could be lunchtime, it could be three in the morning, you could be on the crapper, it's the Ross Family Matters podcast, and I told you... Eddie Watson was going to be a popular get. By popular demand, we brought him back. So I'm Hotshot Scott Williams, Vic the Stick Ross, Jack Spade, and Eddie Brown Sugar Watson. Ah, I'm back. That's right. You are. And, uh, I think it's great that you've decided to find some time in your busy schedule. The fans loved you last week. They said you were the best guest since Monica. (laughs) So... (laughs) Who's been
0: the at the bar? Who's been the worst guest?
2: Jason Masters. Oh, Jason
0: Masters. <laughs> we love you, Buck. We love you, man. You drink too much, but we love you. Yeah, I don't know if you guys <clears throat> caught that uh, tribute show, but about halfway through it, he started drunk wandering around Scott's house. Yeah. And just opening doors. Which
1: is creepy in and of itself. But.
0: Alright. So, I'll get us started. Our first topic today is going to be talking about the finish
1: Not the people. Okay, well, good. Because I was going to talk about Norwegians.
0: (laughs) So, what, in your mind, makes a good finish to a match?
1: Okay, so there's a couple schools of thought. I like some finishes that... Because we've been around. We're sage enough watchers and viewers and fans and performers that... Most fi- most matches don't surprise us, right? Surprise finishes have always been a thing for me. One of my favorite surprise finishes, and I forget the year exactly, was when Flair won the title back in WCW when it was him, uh, Savage, and... 1995. Yeah, that's right. Starcade. Was, yeah. I didn't see that coming, especially with the way that Flair was being de-pushed, right? Yep. That caught me off guard. I popped, even though I was 24 years old at the time, because I didn't expect that finish. I think a finish that comes out of nowhere, that surprises even the most uh, ardent fan of wrestling, to me makes the best finish. And you can't do that all the time, because then they don't become surprises anymore.
2: And that's what I think is cool. A really good example of how well a surprise finish can get over with a crowd was our boy Prodigy against Tiny Love at the Rubicon Ranch, where Tiny just dominated him the whole way through, and Jim's taking big bumps for him, really getting the big guy over. And then he caught the win at the end. And I promise you, if you go back and watch the video, you'll see grown people jumping up and down in celebration.
1: Yes. Yeah, that is a great example. Those are, to me... Those are some great finishes, and I want to get your opinions on it, but I also want to tell you this. You could have a match that's mediocre, that has enough crowd interaction and a great finish that nobody's going to care that the rest of the match was mediocre. And on the flip side, you could have a five-star match, and if that finish gets messed up, no one's going to remember anything that happened before the finish. It is not just cliche. It's obvious that the finish is the most important part of the match. And it can save or ruin... Make or break. Absolutely. Yeah. What what
0: makes a finish is seeing people viscerally respond to it in the crowd. So, looking out and seeing the finish, usually I'm on my back because I'm losing. Cabbage turtle, by the way.
2: (laughs) Son of a bitch. But
0: if you actually look out and people are jumping up or moving or doing anything, really... Uh, that's that's good. Even if they're just paying attention and not necessarily making all the noise. We had a really good surprise finish that we booked in Fusion when we worked there that
1: was the finish of the show where we had a heel go over to finish a show. So I was going to ask you about that. So, because again, the other reaction to get is the stunned anger or stunned silence or sadness. Much like you referenced last week, Eddie, the Undertaker loss. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Obviously, you've shown in the way you've booked that it's not always the case. But there was a time in the 80s and 90s where even if a heel went over, you sent the crowd home happy. Mm-hmm. Then Raw Nitro popped up. And that stopped being a thing, right? You'd see shows repeated, sometimes weeks in a row, where the heels would dominate the faces, spray paint them, do whatever, right? But at house shows, there are still the send people home happy, even if you have to put a heel over. Do you feel that that's the best recipe, not all the time, but most of the time? Because I feel like if you send them home happy most of the time, when you don't, it has that much more impact.
2: I feel like 95% of the time you need to send the the folks home happy. Right. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the heel can't win. Right. You just have to have something take place after the match. Mm -hmm. Um. Be it more brawling or just the announcement that there's going to be a rematch on the next show. Right. Something that'll, you can kind of dangle out there for the people so they don't leave on a complete downside.
1: So, the surprise that you guys booked in Fusion, tell a little bit about that story and how you felt that that was, you know, taken in by the crowd.
0: So, that was uh, the finish of probably my my coup de grace of booking shows, which was the Otharian and Chaos street fight in Cudahy. Mm -hmm. The gimmick of that was it built up where uh, Chaos had gone through everybody in the family and Otharian was kind of the last guy he had to go through. And the storyline we built to was every other member of the family was handcuffed to a post outside the ring. And they were
2: shoot police issue handcuffs. Mm
0: -hmm. Not only that, there was a special babyface guest referee in Steve Santana, and it's a street fight where Otherion is the heel who doesn't do hardcore wrestling against Chaos, who is known
1: to have some pretty chaotic matches. But now, as you say this out loud, I would expect nothing but the heel to go over. But or you would, right? Right. You but would. Anyway. So, but it's also the main event of the show.
0: So, so, you gotta factor in like all those factors. It's the main event. I feel like most people feel like if they go to a show now, the main event, the good guy's gonna win and we're gonna celebrate and we're gonna go home. Right. So, we went through this whole match and it wasn't clean, as not clean as it can be in a street fight, but Othereon went over with a
2: DDT on a chair. He went over relatively. Yeah, the ref got bumped. I took the handcuff key out of his pocket and left myself out. And then we were able to dirty it up even further. And we went over. The crowd
0: sat for a second. And they didn't know what to do. Right. 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 It's just literally just a boo and then silence. But they weren't moving. Like, they weren't, like... Heading for the Angry, they weren't, like, talking to each other. It was silent. Yeah. And then, they started to let the rest of us out of our cuffs. And then we did a really, really prolonged celebration. Like, we celebrated with all of us in the ring. We celebrated with him in the ring, showing the belt off. The booze started to come. We moved out of the hall. We all went into the bar. Yep. Directly after the show. And we celebrated as a group there. And we cut promos and recorded videos out there about it. And it was like a you know somebody winning the World Series. Yes. yes. So I feel like the finish is effective of a show as long as people want to come back
1: and see what happens next. And I, it, <coughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but one of those shows that was such a horrific beatdown, was Cato a member of the family? <laughs> he was not. No, Cato was never a member of
0: the
2: Ross family.
0: Jim Payne was supposed to catch him. I tell you, <laughs> yeah. Sadie, so. you got anything to add to the? No, I'm with Scott. I think like um, you know, anything where I don't see it coming, that's those are the special ones for me, right? So, um, just at the top of mind, the uh, the, the Goldberg Lesnar Survivor Series where. Goldberg just ends the thing in, what, 50? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that yeah. That right yeah, there yeah.
0: was a, oh, it's over type of situation. That was probably the last time I, I remember seeing something, and it really just like,
1: I was just just called off guard with that. Do you know what my favorite finish was of all time? Um, was, and not just because of the, the, how it ended, like who went over and whatnot, it was Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair at WrestleMania. Okay. Because they had built it up, you know, Sean and and Flair being friends and you you know, like, and then the whole like, you know, exasperation of Shawn Michaels knowing that he's just about to end his friend's career and he has to do it. Flair knows it's coming and he super kicks him, pins him, and then Flair shits on that and comes out of retirement six months later and wrestles for teenagers. It was
2: about a year, but I hear what you're saying.
1: But that was, I thought, really well done because, again, the other part of wrestling that you connect with the fans is when you can connect on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. That was a very well-done emotional finish, and it's one that I kind of wanted to sort of replicate with uh, Masters and
0: Yeah, Taking the time to actually get to the point where you can do the false finishes and have the crowd with you every time to build up to the actual finish which was what worked really effectively for us in lacrosse with uh, Maru. Yeah, we did that gimmick for your retirement, which you proceeded that to shit
2: on and come great. back. Eighteen months, motherfucker. That
1: was a great. That <laughs> was a very well done angle, and it was before my ban, um, so I was part of that. And it was, uh, you know, the whole Maru thing was well done. Like, uh, I, I think we've talked, about it. I mean, and then the final build up to that, like, so. Not only was it, you know, here's this angle, here's what we're doing, here's the turning of Maru as a, as a, you know, singles wrestler now, and he's on his own, he's feuding, and then he ends your career. Right. Like, I, to me, on an indie, indie level, at least in this state, like, I haven't seen an angle in a story arc that was that perfect.
2: So, I'm pretty sure that you know this. Eddie, I don't know if you know this. Uh... We were actually given full autonomy to book that angle. Yes. We start to finish. Like, we weren't necessarily allowed to pick the opponents as it built. Right. But we were given... How you handled Maru. Correct. Yes, yes. And
0: not only that, but I made a conscious decision to not shit on that finish. By We went through the match. I took the ankle lock. I tapped out. He was retired. He was sent out. And then I left for six months,
1: right and, and, so. So, and so the offshoot and just I'll just tell a story, and it's just me being completely transparent here Jason Masters came out, he, we, were, we were teasing that he was going to come back to the fold of the Ross family because he was starting to try to do good guy things. He actually came out, kicked me. I was unable to be to save you Lane, from losing, which got you retired, which was then supposed to leave me to have my one-on-one end of my career with Masters, because I was going to put my career on the line, and that was going to be the final piece of that story arc, was then Masters was going to retire me. And
0: when I came back six months later, it actually happened this way, was the Halloween show, and I came out of the crowd and attacked him from the crowd. Right. And I was supposed to start feuding with Masters for retiring the family. Right. And that was going to... So
1: we're talking like two years of... that. Could, yeah, right, cause <laughs> we could have done our thing, and then you could have done your thing, you know, but and but... That's, but see, and that again is good old school booking because I think the problem with a lot of angle finishes now is people hurry them. You know, this was something that could have played out, it played out for a year already. It could have played out for two years based off of one storyline to start with Maru, right? right? Nowadays, you get a couple of shows in and be like, all right, let's just blow this thing off. Well, that's because,
2: like, the guys that are booking now. We're big into watching wrestling in the late 90s and early 2000s, sure. where the world title was changing every 30 days on the next pay-per-view. Yeah, uh, or every two weeks maybe sometimes. You, maybe you'd get a rematch the next month, but then that was the end of that program and they go into something else. Right. You know? Well, that's not 100% true, because I started watching wrestling in the late 90s and early 2000s. Right, but you got us. We're a wealth of information. <laughs> Okay, we're pretty fucking great. Let me just put that out there. (laughs) All right. All right, Eddie, what do you got? Favorite Paw Patrol character? Well, this is going to be quick.
0: I'll tell you what. I like the one that's like a chef, cooks. Um, Okay. I like uh, the pizza man, the plumber. Um, Are you?
1: Okay.
2: It's a children's show. No,
1: I know. Ryder's a a big fan. Ryder Ryder likes uh, Chase. Oh, you know names. Yeah. I just chose
0: a profession and just put it on... Put it on a dog, because yeah. you don't know I like the accountant, the,
1: yeah, the millionaire. None of those guys exist. <laughs> Chase is the police officer. And then there was a firefighter one. I, I used to remember all their names. Writers moved on to, like, Marvel Comics, and mm-hmm. he's not as big in the Paw Patrol as he used to be, but I would say Chase. And by the way, the human character in there... That helps, you know, lead Paw Patrol is named Ryder. Nice. So no. there you go. All right. Eddie, you know
2: any Paw Patrols? No. Me either, buddy. Yeah. Let's move along. Yeah,
1: my daughter's into Korean buses.
2: Yep. Uh, what's the name of that bus again? Tayo. Oh, I thought it was like Baby Tink Tink or something. Baby Tink Tink. Nickelback or paper cuts on the penis. <laughs>
1: Okay, so let's let's you know since I got heat anyway with most of the listeners, let's just get the started. Nickelback's not that bad. Whoa, hold on. In co- in comparison, the paper cuts on the penis. I'm with you. In comparison to just generic rock bands, listen, there's way worse than Nickelback. Now people can say you know maybe I think they get heat because they become mega stars and they've got average talent. Guess what? Turn on pop radio right now. It's off. I dare you. Go turn on 97.3 right now and listen to that crap. I'll one-up you. Put on the country station
2: because country music now is just pop music with an accent.
1: And a steel guitar in the back. Right. Yeah. So that's why, like, look, I've never bought a ticket to, nor would I ever go to a Nickelback show. There's a few songs that come on the radio that they have that I'll leave on and some that I'll change. But I think the amount of heat they get when you listen to some of the other garbage that's on half a dozen radio stations right now, good luck with all that. Good luck with your Demi Lovato and your auto-tuned garbage. At least Nickelback, for better or for worse, plays their own instruments.
2: Yeah, and for the record, Katy Perry is for looking at, not for listening to.
1: And if you've seen her new haircut, not even looking that much anymore. Um, she has a head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, for one, will take paper cuts to the penis, but not because of Nickelback, because I like genital mutilation. Because you
1: just into that. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Eddie?
1: I, I will take the Nickelback over <laughs> the, uh, the cuts. Now let me ask right. you this. Nickelback or three doors down? Okay. Creed. Oh come on! Nobody likes Creed. Huh? Buck does. Like oh. Masters loves Creed. Yee.
2: What about what about Pearl Jam? <laughs> Everybody loves Pearl Jam except me, apparently.
1: Yeah, I don't like Pearl Jam. Evil, <laughs> but see here's the thing. I, there's very few musical artists in my lifetime, and i I'm pretty eclectic. I'm a old school rap, rock, metal, pop. Like you know, not much country, but. There's not one artist where I love everything they've ever done. Like, I like Pearl Jam, but there's some stuff that's gassed off. Can you just tell me what he's saying? Uh, don't call me daughter. Right. Uh, that's not not fair to. <coughs> yeah. The picture oh, oh, left will daughter. remind me. Okay. Uh, I'm still alive. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. Jeremy's Ooh. spoken class today. That yep. Good. He spoke with a gun. Right. That's what people may not understand.
2: But the resource later, bro, hey, can I, That's pretty spot on right there. Yeah. No, that's
0: <laughs> real good. Yeah. Which one of you guys haven't been in here yet? I just picked. You just, oh, okay. okay. All right. Let's All right. see, what do we
2: got here? See if you can avoid getting the same one everybody's got. Uh, it's in my pocket right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, just, a, just a little insight. Uh, First I, and then Eddie, because like an idiot, I put it back in the hat. We picked uh, J.C. Protégé, our boy Jim, and we just did an episode dedicated to him. So at the end of this, we will put him back in the hat, and we'll do it again on a different day. But we don't want to beat you over the head.
1: So, Jesse, apparently we have to make a promo for our podcast, but I'm not exactly sure what we're supposed to say. Oh, come on, Nick. We just got to talk about Grapple Talk, where we talk about wrestling. It doesn't matter if it's the national stuff or the local stuff. That's true. I mean, regardless if it's WWE or our spotlight in the squared circle segment where we highlight local talent, we cover it all. Oh, we also got to plug the social media. That's right. Facebook.com slash the Grapple Talk, and you can follow us on Twitter at the Grapple Talk. Man, that was a really good promo. That was. High five! Hi. Yeah!
0: Yeah, so I'll take my eggs over easy, and I'll take my podcast Deach and Dash. That's right, the Deach and Dash podcast hosted by me, gorgeous Jordy Lee, available via the Grapple Talk Network. It's about to get weird. We're going to talk some wrestling, maybe, some life,
1: probably, and I'm definitely going to ask whether you prefer ketchup or mustard. Catch us via the Grapple Talk Network and wherever iPods are available
0: to you. iPods or podcasts? God, I'm the worst.
1: Oh my, Um, who has had sex? With the grossest ring rat in the Ross family. Jason Masters. <laughs> Jason Masters. Jason Masters, <laughs> absolutely. Um, ever see the movie Ghoulies? <laughs> Jason Masters had in 3D.
0: Meals J- on wheels. Jason Masters once caught a blowjob from the moon in a Smashing Pumpkins video.
2: <laughs>
0: wow. Wow. Jason Masters once sold two shirts for us the hard way.
2: Yeah. Jason Masters once <laughs> took a blowjob from the daughter of Hacksaw Jim Duggan to sell two shirts.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hands down. First of oh. all, um, I haven't been involved in a, with a ring rat in 15 years, and I, so I would maybe it was me once, I don't remember, but nothing can touch what I think, Masters did. I guess like. I saw her twice this week, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Masters definitely... Um, God damn, that guy has no standards.
0: Yeah, I think I get a bad reputation. Can I just defend myself here for. No,
2: you're, you've had some pretty <laughs> shady shit going on. <laughs> <soon>. <laughs>
0: shady? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I get a bad reputation. Yeah. But I am not Jason
2: Masters. No, that's pretty okay. tough to beat. That's tough. You're not Jason Masters. No, no. you're not. No, my standards are no. bargain level.
1: Right. And it, your dick is nowhere near as smooth as eggs. No. <laughs> so you're shopping. So, okay, so you're not necessarily shopping at Dollar General, but maybe Five Below. Yeah, yeah. Five Below, uh, or like a Family Dollar,
0: where okay. it's not
2: everything. I, I think a better equation is like Lane's over at Old Navy. Okay. Whereas Buck is Salvation Army.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: I think that's fair. For the for the record, yeah, it in Military. Yeah, I
1: like that. I'm a
0: fully married man. Right. Been out of the rack game for a while. Don't know what's there. Sure. But uh, didn't do that bad for myself.
2: Okay. Yep. You didn't do that good for yourself. (laughs) But you didn't do that bad. Uh, For the record, uh, I've been basically married since I've been in the business.
1: Yeah.
2: And... But you've held way more titties in the business. I I have (laughs) held all of the titties. (laughs) (laughs) But that's as far as I took it.
1: Well, thankfully, I never back in 1996 hooked up with Joe Pumashek. Because <laughs> that, that could have been And her meth mouth. Yeah, right. yes. how's, how's the
0: referee rap business going? Yeah. Never had a rat. I've been I've been married the whole time. So, so. If we go back to like when I was DJing that's a whole different conversation. Ooh, oh, that's no now DJing.
1: Yeah, see DJing. When were you DJing? What
0: years were you talking? Uh Early mid nineties. Alright, so yeah. let's try to pick out some songs here. Okay? The workaholic Hang on a second. Did you ever hey.
2: spin the workaholic? Can I just say that my man Eddie Watson was spinning tracks and stabbing Gash? <laughs> <laughs> and now you can say whatever you want. Yeah, so wait, what you do have. you
1: remember the workaholic?
0: I do not. Was it like a party DJ or were you like two turntables and a and a microphone? I did I did both. Okay, I did both. Yeah. How
1: about James Brown is Dead? Ever spin that right? I did not. I'm sorry. Are you uh, serious? Was there yeah. a lot of CNC Music yeah. Factory? Yeah, that was a good song. How about Shackles on My Feet?
2: What sorry the me. kind of help? What you about have? Potholes in My Lawn? That's I love that song,
1: Pops-y. but I... Yeah, that... Yeah, Are any, any of these songs even t- ringing? What about t- The Percolator? T-
0: Yes. I'm oh yeah. The okay. I know your sure. love for the percolator. Uh, I have no love for. I the heard percolator.
1: that that episode. Uh, well, um, well, I wanted to make sure we were spinning else? something. my were, what, but, well, were, were, well, were you love. spinning Marky Mark in the early? Night? Oh, absolutely. I might have played a bunch of Oh yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I played that. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, and probably some Hammer, some Ice some Digital Underground. Oh, yeah. Humpty, Humpty Dance. Some Humpty, Humpty Dance was probably some Biggie. How about corrupt? No. What kind of parties are you DJing here?
2: Uh, I've seen some stuff in my day. That's All right, some cat. things. Jesus, Eddie Watson.
1: Well, see, we learned a
2: little bit more oh, about... So he, he sounded like a Vietnam vet at the end. <laughs> I've seen some shit, man.
0: C-capping. <laughs> I want to see what shows up. Eddie Watson. I thought that was the next category. I was
1: going to say, I've c cap people before.
0: <laughs> we got a good one, another one-word one here. Okay. Uh, so... Obviously, when I put it in here, it was intended to be the part of a match. But I'm sure we can talk for a good long time
2: about heat. Oh. I'm living it. <laughs> I uh, I used to drum it up, and then Lane would slowly give it back.
1: <laughs> he, so, come on now. Heat, tell me uh, about it. Okay, so, we talked last show about... Whether or not it was okay or not okay in the ring. But one of the things I got was heat. And interaction with the crowd. That I could do. Um, heat's important. Would you say that heat's a lost art? And maybe it's coming back. Again, I think back to the... Starting with the Stone Cold era. Where everybody wanted to act like a badass face. Okay, remember this time? So you get a heel in there who wouldn't get... get real heat because he didn't, because I think in order to get real heat, you have to connect with the crowd and make that crowd want to hate you. If they like you, they don't care that you're cheating. They don't care that you're putting heat on somebody because they like you and want to go have a beer with you. I, I think that the heat goes hand in hand with the ability to work a crowd and connect.
2: In lacrosse, I actually walk a very fine line where I get good heat but then they still want to buy me a beer
1: afterwards. Right, but during the show, you aren't trying to be liked. You don't want to high-five somebody. I sure don't. Right. And that's where I think a lot, it went off the rails for a good decade. Because you'd have heels come out there high-fiving people. And breaking down the fourth wall, uh, which is a fed. But. I
0: feel like very few people, when they start wrestling, and I actually was one of these people, think, I want to make a crowd dislike me. That's never anybody's intention when they start wrestling. It'd if I was you, I would be mine. I even wanted yeah. them to dislike me during my rare, my little baby
2: face run.
0: <laughs> That's, you were the worst baby face of all
2: time. Second. <laughs> I was the worst. <laughs> Six months of misery. <laughs> uh. So, the big thing that
0: we're in danger of losing now with the style of wrestling that everybody wants to do... Mm-hmm is everybody wants to rush through the actual heat of the match. Yep. Because it's all very, let's get to the next piece of the match, where you have to be able to stop and pause and allow the crowd to process what's happening. Right? Sure. sure. And you have to take those steps, and it's amazing we're talking about the heat because we talked about the finish... The heat is what gives you the crowd reaction at the finish if you do a good job there. Right. Well, in conjunction with the comeback. Yes. Which I'm
2: sure we'll get to at a different point.
0: Yeah. Who have you guys seen get the most heat?
1: Oh, man. Locally? Nationally? Okay, well, there's two kinds of heat. So there's X-Pac heat, which is I don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's real heat. So... Let me think about some of the best. Don't forget uh, backstage heat. Oh, yes. There's a lot of that. There's
2: a lot Uh, of that in this room. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, Well, Eddie Watson gets good heat. Um, Okay, so Angel Armani gets great heat. But not in his home territory. Right. Right. But he gets good heat because he he follows the old blueprint, right? Right. Work the crowd, take some shots at them.
2: Steal one of my jokes,
1: choke the guy, and <laughs> ask the crowd, "What do you think of this baby face now?" That that always works at a certain level, no matter where you are working, right? That that that's a formula that will always work. Now, there's people who have done better, and who've got, but that always works on some level, right? Yeah. So so there's that. Um, boy, I'm just I'm trying to think of some because there's some guys who do really good at get, who are really good at getting. The crowd to hate him. I mean, is there somebody that sticks out that you've, you know, been on shows with, other than present company, where you've seen him go? Boy, he really knows how to get that crowd. To I hate feel
2: him. like Jason Parks does a good job. Of oh, drama. he does a he, great he's job. Got, he plays a really obnoxious villain.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's. uh, Again, we've I've said before how versatile he is. I, if you start a company and you have the opportunity to. JP's a great guy to have because he can. you can have him wrestle if you need him to, even if you want to put him in a hood. He can be a manager. He can be a ref. He can bring an ounce. You know, he's a guy that, but yeah, he can definitely get some good heat. Jason Masters got that guy to come straight out of the crowd right at him.
2: He did.
0: That strikes me because that's not something you see happen a lot at shows anymore where the crowd gets so riled up that they physically want to hurt the person in the ring. Because everybody now is like, oh, they're just playing a character.
1: So, yeah. yeah, that's true. That's
2: I got true. Uh, whacked in the shin one time from an aluminum cane by an old man at the Miramar because I suggested he may have died and we should check if he was breathing.
1: We got we got heat at Mexican Fiesta.
2: Yep, throwing tortillas to the crowd. Yeah. They threw rocks in return. I didn't really feel it was a fair trade. But,
1: but then there's other kind of heat that's kind of a new thing. It's the... Anti-establishment crowd thought that I'm going to boo the top babyface in in a major company like the Roman Reigns heat <clears> and the John Cena heat, which is weird. to me it's still weird to me. I uh, so without getting too much on the tangent, but I'll just throw this out here because I'm sure it's not in the hat. I can't under I, there's a reason why I dislike certain wrestling fans and groups of wrestling fans, smarks right. Because there was a time where people were mad that Roman Reigns didn't win the rumble and then two months later booed him and said he didn't deserve a spot and have booed him mercilessly for the last two years. I don't understand how what happened. I don't understand what happened what, what happened, to Eddie Watson. I think people nowadays have this we want to
0: it's it's that... They want to call the shots? I, they want to call the shots because everything else in their life is about themselves. And they're, the world is centered around them. They don't, so they don't even know how to
1: enjoy... You mean their mom's basement is centered yeah, around
0: Yeah, so they don't know how to just enjoy something that's supposed to entertain them but without they feeling wa- they need to control. They it. wanted
1: him!
2: They didn't. This is what I'm going to say to you. I'm not trying to argue your point. Okay? But I feel like if you take... 100% spectrum of uh, wrestling fans. It's really only 20% that hate Roman Reigns, hate John Cena.
1: Sure.
2: And the other 80% are buying all their shit. Sure. <laughs> okay? But you hear from that 20% the loud minority. because they're in their mother's basement typing on the computer, yeah. oh, Roman Reigns sucks. Yeah. Ask one of those guys to back that argument up sometime. Sure, because they're just going to keep repeating. Roman Reigns sucks,
1: and for for people like us who have observed, like, what is bad about him? He, his work isn't terrible. His his selling is bump. Like, he's a good big man. Like, what's I don't get it. In fact, he's a, such an athletic big man that if this was fifteen years ago, he'd be a freak of nature. Right. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I mean? like, yeah. So, I I just don't get it. And at the same time, don't under, well, never mind, I don't want to go down To there. back up my argument, a lot
2: of what you find online when people say they're big proponents of Ring of Honor and, like, Japanese wrestling, mm-hmm. okay? I enjoy those too, mm-hmm. all right? But when WrestleMania puts 100,000 people in a building, but I go to Ring of Honor and there's only 1,500 people in the building, That's a massive difference. Sure. So obviously, while yes, Ring of Honor is a much smaller company, they're doing good numbers for what they're trying to put out. I enjoy it, yes. But obviously,
1: WWE knows what the hell they're doing. The other piece of it that I always think is funny is um, how, even though you know I'm not necessarily a huge fan of him, but he can't deny his success. Vince McMahon was so smart that when people were Bitching and moaning about the product and wanting things to be more like Ring of Honor, he formed his own competition in NXT and he's stealing your money anyway. It's mm-hmm.
2: true.
1: Great job. That's that's why he's yeah. That's why he is who he is. It's yeah. true. So he created this, and then people go to NXT and chant things about how they hate the WWE. <laughs> Guess who's getting that money? Right. 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 Yeah. Genius. When
0: Hogan first turned in '96. Yep. Yeah. That was
1: some cataclysmic heat. That was great heat, and that was, crazy was heat. and ties into the unexpected finish that we talked about. Like, because yeah. who saw that coming?
0: Yeah, right. And I'm not even just talking about that Bash at the Beach show. I'm talking about the the weeks of Nitro after that mm-hmm. too. The, that trash just never stopped coming.
1: The, yeah. d- WCW screwed up a gold mine though because the NWO angle was great. Even though I don't like Nash or Hogan, the the angle was great. Mm -hmm. when they became 30 strong and started bearing everything WCW. Because you know, Eddie, what was supposed to happen is they were going to do a brand split. They were going to have an NWO show and a WCW show. Mm -hmm. problem was they made WCW so devalued that they couldn't do the split because who the hell would watch the true B-show of these WCW guys that just got their asses handed to them for a year.
2: right?
1: So, anyway, so that's a little bit... So they've basically screwed up a good thing by overkill. They oversaturated, yeah. They actually, that was kind of the beginning of... I'm not watching this anymore. Let me
0: see what's on the other show. I hadn't watched the WWE in years. Mm-hmm. Probably
1: ten years um, when that happened. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm done here. So you didn't flip over when Shivani told you that Foley was winning the title? That,
2: that was, yeah, I, I, I flipped over. So another good example I have... and. You'd have to come over to my house to watch it. But I have a Roddy Piper compilation I picked up. Okay. And this is back in, like, 79 or 80. And he's in... Atlantic. Sa- no, San Francisco. Oh. San right. Francisco. Okay. Roy Shire? Yes. And he is feuding with the Guerrero <laughs> brothers. Okay. So the first week he came out and he disparaged... Hispanics, because whether you know it or not, San Francisco has a huge Hispanic population. Mm-hmm. So they had two shows one that aired on the English station, one that aired on the Hispanic station.
1: Oh, okay.
2: The next week he came out with his bagpipes and he said, I'd like to apologize for what I did here last week by playing the Mexican national anthem on my bagpipes and he played La Cucaracha. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's heat. That's heat. Yeah, Piper was cool. Piper was so good, and you know, guys like Piper and DiBiase, to younger fans who watch now, go say stupid crap like, "Oh, DiBiase wasn't any good. He didn't win the world title." That's the dumbest statement in the world. Right, Right. kicking that basketball away from that kid with the (laughs) dribble. The best. That's the best. And so there was the heat that he brought, which was amazing. And he made everybody he wrestled look better. So did Perfect. Nope. I mean, that's what it's all about. And people who don't look at Ted DiBiase and, and value him for what he was are clearly not... They're missing the point, is, is what they're doing.
0: I would argue that Mr. Perfect may have been the first cool babyface. Cool heel, you mean? Yeah. Or cool heel, yeah. 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. Because he didn't really, like... The
1: vignettes were always him actually doing those things, and he out wrestled guys. Though so I would argue that I think Savage, the reason he had a turn him face was because he was becoming a cool heel in the WWE. Like, like, I mean, it yeah. was like, it was hard to even for like baby, like it was hard to not like Savage. Just, his skills were just this is this is amazing, yeah. right? And then his, yeah. his whole persona and his. Oh yeah. yeah, of course they're up. <laughs> I
0: don't think he ever said that. <laughs> <laughs> Snap into an eight ball. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's actually uh, one of our our classic uh, post show things to do is trying to talk uh, Vic Ross into doing the the gay macho man. <laughs> so you give a quick <sighs>
2: gay macho man promo for me. Oh yeah, thinking, thinking, thinking. I'd like some cock, yeah. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit
1: of cock. Yep. Yeah. Which, <coughs> which, by the way, really the 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 real gay macho man was Lanny Poffo. <laughs> Hey guys, this is AC Riley reminding you to check out The Riley Factor only on the Grapple Talk Network. Join me as I talk wrestling, interview wrestlers in my Spotlight and Squared Circle segment, and much, much more. What are you waiting for?
0: Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the Grapple Talk Network today. And as always,
1: support independent wrestling.
0: Hey everybody, this is RGG from the Regular Guy Gaming Podcast on the Grapple Talk Network. I think it's safe to say if you like wrestling, you also like games. So join me and my co-host Ragbag as we talk about old games, new games, games we love, games we hate, special guest interviews, and of course, Ragbag's love for Luigi Mansion. That is all on Regular Guy Gaming, check us out. You got two there.
2: Hey,
1: oh, oh, it's like a magic trick. Uh, oh I think my. you want the one
2: on your thumb. All right,
1: look at that. Nothing, nothing up my sleeve. <laughs> Thanks, Bull <Bullwinkle>. weasel. <laughs> oh,
0: Who's writing is that? I'm offended already. Oh, this is <laughs> this is Jim writing. I don't know what that is, but um, uh, the completely cool crew.
2: Oh no. <laughs> Uh, uh,
0: yes. It was your bit. Yeah, that is my bit. That's some early booking yep, right there. Early fusion. Um... Addy, <laughs> first of all, I'm very, very I'm stuck. picturing like a cross burning right no, now. No, no, we no. We didn't quite take it that far. <laughs> so completely cool crew, spelled all with K's. Uh, the cool is spelled cool. Like the cigarette. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so what happened was, this was an idea of mine where myself and Devin Diamond were currently, or we were doing the gimmick of Guaranteed to Offend. So our gimmick was that we were offensive to the point where we uh, either didn't realize we were offensive or we didn't care. Um, on an early fusion show, we were talked into... Or not talked into. We we were booked into a six man tag with uh, the CEO of Keeping It Gangster, T.C. Washington, as our partner. You gotta love the pronunciation on gangster. I was good until uh, the gangster, gangster part. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, and I want to say it was probably New South on the other side and someone, someone. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember Storm. who the sixth. It wasn't Storm. So, we cut a promo before the match, and this may have been uh, before
2: we were fully aligned with you at that point. So, this might be I think we were all together, but I just wasn't out there because there was so much going on so with much the six man tag.
0: But we were uh, we were trying to placate TC to be our friend. So, we said, hey, man, here's what we did. We formed a, a thing, we got t shirts made, we, we, got,
2: like, uh, we got sleeves. I felt like you were trying to sell it to him, like. As if you guys were the new demolition. Yeah, well, there were masks. <laughs> right. There were definitely masks.
0: So, what we had done was we took uh, white t shirts and we wrote uh, KKK on them for the completely cool crew. Uh, we had arm like socks, white yep, tube, tube socks that we cut out the thumb in the hands like uh, the Hardy Boys. Mm-hmm. And they also said KKK on just in case you didn't get the bit. Uh, and we took pillowcases. We cut eye holes. Oh boy. And we put them over our heads, and it said KKK across the forehead. So we start putting our stuff on, and we hand him a bag, and he's supposed to start putting his stuff on, and we get all of it on. We kind of look at him like, huh? Huh? You gonna put your thumb in? Yeah? You gonna put it on? And he's like, no, man!
2: <laughs> and that was uh, the completely cool crew. <laughs> and then, wasn't there a point where, like, he explained it to you? through pantomime and then you looked at each other and realized what you had done yeah and then we slowly I think we slowly stripped off Yeah.
0: we put a lot of work into that very very racist joke
2: I'm so so glad you could pick that topic (laughs) ah reparations (laughs) (laughs) oh it's my turn alright Ariba.
0: this is a big one this is going to be our most topics ever in a show I'm pretty sure S S W sure Alright, so SSW, um, South Shore Wrestling now, I don't even know what it stands for. Um, was Stars and Stripes for a while. I think it's just SSW now.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure, to be honest with you.
0: Um, or Solid Steel, who knows. And I just
2: spent an hour and a half with Dan on Yeah, Friday. I talked to them
0: for about 40 minutes after the show. So um, they started um, as an offshoot of... The PWF with Dan and Ryan. Um, they also, Ryan had been trained out with Mike at uh, Powerhouse. Yeah, Mike Thompson. And Dan had had a very poor experience there that actually ended with um, Matt Winchester putting him into a corner before a show. Dan. Dan. Okay. Bringing the forearm down across
2: the chest, and it actually ended up cracking Dan's sternum. So, really, it, I was a, I was actually there. Okay. And it wasn't a show; it was a camp at um, in Allenton. I can't remember the name of the place right Cecil's, now. Cecil's, right? Thank you, yeah. Cecil's. Um. And Dan had actually been in the ring as a ref while we were doing mock matches and absolutely was backed into the corner, and he kept begging off, saying, I don't want to be a wrestler, I don't want to be a wrestler. But uh, Matt decided he needed to take this forearm, and it was one big forearm. But you could tell that Dan was in a bad way afterwards. So after that, um,
0: I don't believe, I think that might have been Ryan's way out of... Uh, powerhouse and he decided that they were going to do their own thing. They purchased a ring um, that is a not a very good ring. Very short ropes. Very short ring. Uh, but it fits in a lot of places and they started to promote their own shows at various areas on the south side. South Milwaukee. Oak um, Creek. Oak Creek. That area. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about SSW is uh, a lot of Like, that's the reason I got trained. Right. So there's a lot of loyalty there for me. And another thing that SSW, that we did there, which we didn't realize we had the uh, freedom to do, was, like, we were running angles, like, similar to, like, what Rebels was doing, similar to what we would do later with Fusion, um, sort of the precursor of what we're allowed to do now when we work for lacrosse we were putting angles together from show to show they weren't always cohesive or necessarily good uh, but it allowed you to try a lot of different things on there and try a lot of different stuff um, i worked through there obviously prodigy worked through there you had
2: your I feel like everybody in this room was there at one yeah, point at some mm-hmm. point
0: yep yeah. yeah you was it actually SSW you got through on yeah. yeah yeah you got the you were at the back to back anniversary show you and Brian right
1: mm-hmm. so one of the things i want to point out too is SSW is now about to have their 103rd show i think coming up give or take yeah. Yeah. yeah um so what i had a chance to download i talked with Dan first of all he brought up the first show when we heckled everybody we've already gone over that story yeah. so but one of the things that Dan said that really made sense is, while he was struggling and taking, a, having to eat a lot of shit from people in this area, much like we've all had to do at some point or another, one of the things that he attributes his success to is that he never changed their style or their name of the company, because there are people that said, just change the name and start. He's like, no, we we're going to, you know be able to look back at our past and go, okay, we were uh, here and then we're here and now we're a a top promotion, right? So he just stayed with it and he stayed true to what he was and he really could give very little quarter to people who thought that they shouldn't be doing this. So in some ways, you know, the success he's having now is, is really attributed to the fact that he just believed that if you stay the course this thing is going to turn into what he wanted it to turn into and it for the most part i believe it has and i believe that you know the lens brothers are very happy with all of it but i you got to give them no matter what people thought about them when they started the fact that they had a vision much like rebels did much like fusion and like we're just going to play this thing out and i'm telling you they're i mean i would I don't have all the years right. I gotta think they're the longest fed, running fed in the area, right? Are, are they right currently. there with BCW? Yeah. No, they would have been before BCW. Yeah. So, they're currently the longest running fed in in the area, at least right there with. I mean, and that I mean that says a lot.
0: They started oh3 is when the first South Shore show was.
1: Okay, and I know that BCW is about to celebrate their thirteenth anniversary, which means they started in oh4 So by a year. Yep. They're the longest running friend. And when did Armani take over and start running? I want to say it was around O three O four because this would have been his, tw- last year was his 12th rumble. So, right around that time. Okay. Because there was a time where he was running with, uh, partnered with Ike. Yep. And they were doing shows in Jefferson and whatnot. but
0: Yeah. And I'll say a couple nice things about Dan. Uh... So Dan by far cares probably the most about the appearance of production the show values. Yeah, the production value and the fact that a wrestling show should look like a thing with lights and smoke yeah, and a yeah. nice elaborate set. He he legitimately cares about that. He doesn't put himself over in the course of that. Like the other some of the other people who might do the production values might Make, want to make sure people know. I know what you're trying to do there. I'm not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> what, I'm not me? But uh, okay. There's that. Uh, Dan, for being somebody who's been kind of around the business, has never had a shortage of ideas or being afraid of trying new things that nobody else t- has thought of. Like things that everything in recycling is, or everything in wrestling is recycled and, and like, reuse stuff and changed around. Dan has had a couple ideas that were legitimately original ideas that maybe they didn't always work. Sure. But they were attempted. Did he ever try a ladder match with no title? No. Well, <laughs> there you go. He did not. Um, and obviously he was a big help to us, and he stayed a big help to us for a very long time. Even after he was off doing SSW with... Uh,
2: Joey and, and all that. Including when we were in a pinch for a ring after a last-minute cancellation in Berlin. Yeah. Him and Ryan came through for us.
1: Yeah, that's true. And a, and a genuinely nice guy. I mean, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for his success. Yeah. Um, by the way, Joey Chief, who puts himself over more. I'm sorry? Joey or Chief, who puts themselves over. Oh, man, it's got to be the Chief. Chief,
0: yeah, for yeah. sure.
1: Chief travels to put himself. That's yeah. And he, pay- and he pays... I told you. I fucking told you. pays <laughs> dearly for that travel. Yeah. Oh. For the
0: record, SSW has been really great to me. I have nothing negative to say. If it wasn't for SSW, I wouldn't even know you guys. Or, I mean, we probably would have met at some point. Well, I am going to call Dan yeah. and tell him off. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. And we can just... I was starting to, but you can just kind of go through all the people that have gone through there. And it's, you know, TC, Eddie, Chris Black,
2: Kuba, myself. Just yeah. Uh, Hornswoggle was in for, for okay. some shows. When he was short stack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Justin Dredd. Uh, yep. Um,
0: mm-hmm. So they started out just with their core group of friends, but they expanded very quickly. And a lot of people who are now part of the
1: business in a big way got their start there Who's the guy who uh, he was at We saw him last week Monday Who's the guy that used to wrestle for SSW that looks like a heavier system of a down singer <laughs> La 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 la, la. <laughs> he, Okay so he's a nice guy always been nice His span he's got a number Oh uh 14K Four, Yes, right, thank yeah. you 14K yeah.
2: is who it is. So uh just a little side note on 14K Yeah when I was a kid I used to live off of 13th in Cleveland. Uh-huh. And across the alley, 14K and his brother, uh, his family, yeah. lived there. I used to be in the same grade with his brother, Tony.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Did they break in your garage? No. That's racist. <laughs> We're done with that topic. <laughs> with racism? No. <laughs> we won't have a show <laughs> for the night.
0: <laughs>
1: for but,
0: the night. Uh, yeah, SSW was, I had. Uh, ladder match with Chris Black that people liked a lot there. Uh, they let me run with their uh, X division title, which is kind of funny if anybody's
2: ever seen my style of work. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the problem is. You were the light heavyweight champion of MIA. <laughs> for a while. That's true. Uh, and I'm way heavier than that now.
0: Um, but yeah, forever grateful for everything that uh, happened there. And if you go back and if you can find some of that or if they're selling any of that, and I know they put out some flashback stuff on their uh, YouTube channel, you can go take a look at a lot of people who look super, super different than how they look now, because we're talking almost 15 years of difference between them.
1: I was actually fatter.
0: That's true. I wasn't. (laughs) I wasn't either. Let's see. This is going to be tough. What do we
2: got? Oh, we got like 10. Yeah, um... This isn't for the folks at home. Biza teaser T X keys at.
1: Oh. Oh, that's fine. I, we're, we're talking about the time. Yeah. Everything? Yeah. No. Yeah. Drama.
0: Ooh, I like it. I like the drama. You you pull something out. You tell me if we can actually do it. <coughs> 10 minute topic? <laughs> nope, but but it's definitely a gym topic. Alright, throw it at us. We can go a little long if we Thanks
2: Muzzy Broadcasting for your support. <laughs> okay, that's your story, that's you all the way. Uh, so, the second and third fusion shows in the Stevens Point area were benefit shows in conjunction with Pizza Hut. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Camp Heartland. It was Camp Heartland, which was a camp for kids with uh, AIDS and HIV. Mm -hmm. And myself, Lane, and Jim would go up and handle the pub for these shows. Mm -hmm. And on a lark, we walked in to the radio station hoping to see if we could work something out. They actually donate time, like 30 seconds, so that they can write that off. Oh, And at the same time, we get, you know, sort of a community service.
1: It's like radio on Sunday mornings.
2: It's, but this is... Actual commercials, right, right, that just right, get right, dropped as opposed to thirty minutes to talk right. about talk your in shit. Talking the queue and okay, else. So, like so Jim and Lane both decided that I had to do the read. Well, you're the manager for our commercial. Okay, you're the voice, okay. and the first time I read it, I went too fast. Okay, and I needed to drag it out. The second time I read it, I went too long, and I needed to go faster. Because you had to fit it in. The third time I read it, I went too fast again. The time I finally nailed it, I run through everything, and I finish with, Thanks, Muzzy Broadcasting, for your support. Because I could actually see where the gimmick was that time. Okay. (laughs) So I just dragged it out. (laughs) And they've been sticking it to me ever since.
1: <laughs> by the way, the way you just did that, you kind of reminded me of Miss Crock from the movie Screwed. Yes. When she goes, who cares? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, a funny side note to try to drag out a few more minutes on of this way, topic. By the way, let me ask you this. I want you to finish that, but it just popped in my head. Where did we, or where did you guys, because I met him through you, run into Ben Hoiberg? He reached out to us
0: living in Stevens Point wanting to get into the business. as a, He specifically wanted to get okay. in as a referee. Because
1: for some reason, what I, my initial thought was he was part of the charity.
2: He was not. Okay. Was but not.
0: we did make him flyer.
2: <laughs> he met us. So we rolled into town at like probably 9 o'clock in the morning. And we had him meet us at a Perkins that okay. Jim actually used to work at when he lived in Stevens Point. Right on. And we're eating breakfast, and he showed up with his girlfriend. And we're talking about how what we're gonna do and whatnot for the day, you know, flying and whatnot. And then Jim, always two steps ahead of everybody, says, what, "What do you guys wanna do after this? You wanna get a beer?" And Ben Holberg says, "Yeah, I could maybe get a beer." And me being the class individual I am, looked Ben in the face with a mouthful of pancakes and said, I don't remember inviting you. (laughs) But the uh, the side note on the Muzzy Broadcasting, we went back a year later uh, when the third show was, hoping to do another free commercial. And the fucking guy that ran the place came out, and we told him what we were there for, and he basically yelled at us and chased us off. Really? Yeah. So we uh, we decided to try to come back later to see if we could find a different, <laughs> different person there. And we had the bit worked out where if we saw the guy, one of us would yell, cheese it, and we'd all run back to the car. <laughs> so why did that guy have heat with... Because he's a fucking businessman, and he wants to make money. Oh, I see. But, like, you know, the people we talked to the first time, they were more yeah. than accommodating. In fact, we... I, if I'm not mistaken, we went in to put a flyer on the window, and they offered us a commercial.
0: Yeah, and then we had to leave
2: and write it. Right. We had to
0: write oh, it out right, and come then, back. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, we'll just give you time on our radios. And they they weren't just one radio. They were like two or three separate stations in the area. Sure. It was like a country station and like an oldie station. So they
1: ad shared on all of them, I would imagine. Right. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Huh. Very cool. Eddie, did you enjoy us? It's been great. Two weeks. Hopefully weeks, uh, your
2: listenership doesn't go from
1: 15 to 5 after this. No, 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 I think it's going to be great, but we always, we, we follow the always leave them wanting more. So we probably won't have you back for a while because we want them to want you. You know, much like Cheap Trick. How, How big, big is your family? Nobody Cheap
2: Trick, but I know what you're saying. What? How big is your family? There's five people in buy family, so we'll be listening, I
0: guess.
1: Do they so. listen to the show? No. Okay, so is yeah. it five people, meaning you, your wife, and three kids, or yes, or five additions? I mean, like a, I don't have like three wives. I'm talking like cousins
2: kids. and like oh, I'm a big family. All right, I want to know why you're letting your adolescent children listen to this shit show.
1: So, <laughs> let me see if I got a Curry Krishna and. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And Mendulops.
2: <laughs> I love them. And back to the racism.
0: <laughs> Full circle. Come back next week for Tyler Perry presents the Ross Family Matters podcast.
1: <laughs> no, seriously, Eddie, it's 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 been fun. Hopefully it's all you can tell all your friends and everybody in your quiet neighborhood up in Hartford oh. to listen. Why's it got to be like that? Maybe I live in a bad part of town. Oh, we've, no, been, there. No, we've been to your yeah, house. It's yeah. a nice part of town. We stole yeah. <laughs> hand soap high dollar hand soap and pirates and You know how I know it's a good part of town, you run out of sidewalk.
2: <laughs> yep. Yep.
0: <laughs> you'd literally to get to Eddie Watson's house, you'd leave the city, you drive through an area where there's nothing and you wonder if you've gone too far, Yep. and then you go through some trees and a cul de sac just appears. A suburban with... paradise, if yeah. you will. I think I saw a tennis court. Alright, Scotty, wrap us. Alright, well, that was uh,
1: seven now in the can? Yeah, give or take. Seven. Seven and a half. So, as they would say, seven, seven's the number. Seven squirrels swinging on a branch, eating sunflower seeds at my uncle's ranch. (laughs) 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 It's been a long night. Hotshot Scott Williams, Vic the Stick Ross, Jack Spade and our special guest, Eddie Watson. Eight is coming around the corner, and I know after it you're gonna say eight is enough, but not enough for us. We'll see you down the road. Craft Kravnica!